friendly reminder that partner of the show, Club Jason, is offering 25% off all orders when you use promo code GOLDENBOY at checkout. That's GOLDENBOY, all lowercase, all one word. Listeners in North America will also receive free shipping on any order over $99. Of course, Golden Boy is referring to the one and only Sabathorn Lethbridge. If you haven't already, go back and download this episode to hear some amazing stories. Partner of the show, Club Jason, is devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who would benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer, and an additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Check out Club Jason, C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out some amazing pullovers, polos, and hats. Club Jason, join the club. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited because today we get to live in the world of both right now because we have a returning guest who's awesome, and we have a new guest who we, we've probably should have chased or pursued more, but I'm finally we've, I'm glad we finally got him. So the returning guest is representing Canada at U21 Beach. He's in, on the all-rookie team with the Windsor Lancers, and he's currently at the NEP program. Please welcome to the show, Stephen Abrams. Hey, how's it going? Man, so good to hear your voice. I can't wait to get into some stories here. Last time you were joined by your brother, but I feel like we we upgraded a little bit because your partner in crime for today's episode is also representing Canada at U21 Beach. He's the OUA Rookie of the Year, also there with you at the NEP program. Please welcome to the show, Johnny Pickett. Johnny, thanks for doing this, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm- Glad to get on the show. So you guys, I understand, are roommates in the city of Gatineau right now and training full-time with the with the national team program there. How's, I guess, first couple weeks been? Like, how was, uh, actually, let's start with this. How was the selection? How did you get into this program? Because going up and down the list, it's kind of like the who's who of U sports right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the selection process was pretty interesting. It started all the way back in the summer. Uh, Johnny and I were both selected for the virtual U21 Team Canada for indoor. And then from that, we had a bunch of Zoom calls and learned so much about the national program and what it's about. And then following up on that in around Feb or November, I think, they sent out sent everyone on that team an email inviting them to see if they wanted to come to the NEP. And then Johnny and I immediately started talking to each other. and We can either sit at our universities and not play or come and train full time at the NEP in Gatineau with some of the best coaches in the country. And we uh, we just jumped on the opportunity, and uh, now we're here and just living the dream, playing volleyball all day, every day, pretty much, and doing some school on the side, but mostly focusing on volleyball. Yeah, so I remember uh, we had the calls during the summer for the junior national the virtual program, and then I remember being in Guelph in about, I think it was around September-ish, and I remember getting an email from Dan Lewis, and it was like, Contact the, contact us back as soon as you can to let us know if you're interested in the NEP program. As soon as I read that email, got on the phone with my coach, got on the phone with my parents, got on the phone with Steven, tried to figure it out as soon as possible. And now that we're here, uh, I'm just we're super lucky and we're having a great time playing, really living the dream, playing ball all every day, getting coached by the best coaches around. So it's really no complaints here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, before we get into the volleyball stuff and we take a deep dive, I'm just curious with you guys both being like in the middle of your degrees, really, other than like Daniel, JBD, and I think maybe Finn and Pierce mentioned like he finished his degree, so he doesn't have classes. But with you guys, how are you managing the practice schedule in the school? Because there's guys like you and then I think even like Aaron Elser is technically in high school, right? So are you guys getting exempt from certain practices or is there like a training block that you know you have this morning off to catch up on schoolwork? Or how are you finding managing like being a university student? off campus while also being technically a professional athlete with the amount of hours you guys are putting in? 
Yeah, so it's definitely pretty interesting. We're kind of fortunate in some of the classes we're in. You don't have to be there right during the class time. Either the lectures are recorded and you can watch them whenever you want, or sometimes there aren't even lectures. So that gives us a little bit more freedom of when we can do our classes in order to attend all the practices. But for me, at least, I have some conflicts. But most of the time, I just, if I miss something for school, I'll just catch up on it later. The only times some conflicts arise is when there's exams. And then if you have an exam, you can just let the coaching staff know. Say, hey, look, I got an exam. I'm not able to come to this practice or I'm not able to attend this workout or whatever. And they're super helpful and compensating. They, they don't really ask too many questions because they know that although you're here for volleyball, school does take a really high priority on the list. And there are some guys that have to miss every Monday morning practice or whatever if because they have class and some schools do require you to be at every single class for different reasons. So it's it's different varying from guy to guy, but we're pretty lucky in the fact that we have a very flexible schedule that can work around volleyball for us. Yeah, and I'm curious, uh, going up and down the list of names here, like you guys obviously knew each other and, and Johnny, I think you played club with Dax, but I'm curious how the dynamic works where you got like a Mac guy over here, you got a couple Queens guys, you got some Canada West, you got some RACQ guys, like is there any talk of rivalries or anything or as soon as you're part of Team Canada, like you guys are, are all for one and there's a brotherhood thing going on or like what was the first week maybe in the feeling out process of seeing guys that you've you've battled against either in club or university? Uh, so when we first got there first week, I mean, like you said, Stephen and I, we knew each other, but I knew some of the guys coming in, but not on more on like a name basis, not really on a personal level. So it was a bit different trying to feel out who's who. And I didn't really get into any, I haven't really heard any talk about rival rivalries and stuff like that. But, um, I think it's more of a, like you said, more of like a brotherhood thing where we're on our, like the NEP's kind of our own team now, so we're all teammates and we don't really talk too much about it outside rivalries. Nice. Yeah. And again, just looking up and down the list, what's it like with you guys being young? Like mentioned that you're part of that U21 program, but now you're in an environment where you got like a guy like Gabriel Chauncey, who's been at like FISU and representing Canada a couple of times. You've got guys like Finn McCarthy who have played pro. Daniel JBD is is an Olympian and a, and a stud. I know he's recovering from injury, but what's it like kind of learning with each other, some of the young guns, but also having some vets around that you can ask questions or maybe pull aside or they can kind of show you the ropes of what professional volleyball is? Yeah, I know it's really, really awesome for us because we have those older guys that are super experienced and they're super helpful. They Not only do they bring the quality up and make sure that they're holding everyone accountable for making sure they're focused and concentrated, but they're super helpful and any any tips they, they give you all the time. So it's like you have the coaching staff and then you also have this big pool of guys that have so much experience that can help you out. And whether it's on the mental side or the performance side, they can really give you firsthand experience from very, very different scenarios all across the world. So it's it's really special to have the group of young guys that I think we're probably a little closer with because we've played with them, played against them in club, but then the older guys that are super nice but super knowledgeable and really, really helping us out a lot, which is awesome. I think it's been nice to, to get to know the older guys a little bit more. And like Stephen was saying, I've even in the first – few weeks i've learned a bunch not not only from the coaches but being on the court with these high level players i thought it was pretty cool coming to these practices and we're playing in like a six on six scrimmage and i looked to my left there's like zach hutchison pierce 
Johnson. I look to my right. There's JBD, Finn McCarthy. It's, it's pretty insane. But other than that, I, I think they do bring this higher level of intensity and focus to the group that if it's lacking, they're, they're, they're sure to bring it back up. And I think it just creates a great training environment every single day. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's take a dive into this training environment. So you mentioned your school commitments and how you balance that. But if there is um, such thing as a typical week, can you just hit me with that about like, it, it, are Mondays a two-a-days? Do you lift in the morning or the afternoon? Like what is what is kind of the routine that Coach Lewis and the other coaches have set up for the players right now? Uh, so, so far, um, we go, our two-a-days are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we have one practice uh, starting at nine on those days. And in that morning practice, this half of it will be a lift and half of it will be skills-based. So I'm usually passing off the serve machine or uh, passing off like servers off of boxes. So it's pretty light based on load, but it's more specific to your skills. And then we come back after, uh, after our morning lift, come back to our apartments, we get our schoolwork done, get our recovery in, and then we have another practice at four o'clock where we get a little more into systems and uh, six on six gameplay. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have one practice a day where on Tuesdays we are going six on six scrimmages and more system stuff. And then on Thursdays, it's a little lighter day. We were playing some like short court, uh, some variants of short court and just kind of taking a slightly less load on the, on our uh, bodies. But on Fridays we get, um, we get down to, it's the most intense day on Friday and we have of our morning lift and our practice. And then we have some big gameplay. And at the end of that, we, uh, we found out the first week that we do a, like a, four minute plank at the end of every week. And then it keeps on getting bigger every week. So I think we're sitting at around five minutes right now. Yeah. So just, uh, the plank is definitely pretty killer on the, the end of the week. Cause you grind it out all week. You got school every day, you got practice all the time. And then the plank is kind of the boys rallying together. We have a song that we play every week and, uh, everyone just kind of grinds through it together. The coaches get into it and, Every week we sort of ramp it up a bit. So I think right now, as Johnny said, we're at five or a little over five minutes. And I think we're going to keep escalating that as the weeks go on. So pretty eager to see how far we can take it and how we can grow as a group, even in little activities like that that kind of bring everyone a little closer together. Because when you're grinding and sweating together, it sort of creates a bond of people that really helps you in the training environment as well. Now, this might be a little bit of inside, but uh, what's the song you guys are blasting to get through this? I Okay, I don't really know what it's called. I, I don't even know how to explain I, it. I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's really. sort of just, it's just this, it's, I don't know, it's like a noise, I guess, and it's sort of mixed with a really big beat, and it's really repetitive, but it just gets the bodies flowing and pumps up the boys because we all get fired up to hear it. <laughs> Everyone's smacking their hands on the ground to the beat at the beginning, and then we just get yeah. right into it. I know it's a pretty bad explanation, but I don't really know how else to describe it. <laughs> well, that's awesome, and that is one good uh, mental trick to get through the week. I'm curious, what else have you guys found that works well, whether it's getting your sleep right or your nutrition? Because 
you mentioned you were part of the virtual program this summer, but I don't think that prepares you for what a three hour practice is going to feel like, or those two days or just the grind of like what Johnny was describing about like this whole session, we're just going to be passing balls and there's not going to be a lot of gameplay. And then you try to apply it later in the six on six. Like, how are you guys finding being physically worn down, but also just the mental grind of having to show up and get your reps in and feel like you're getting better in these like very specific situations? Yeah, I know it's definitely very different than the summer virtual program where you pop on Zoom for two hours and you're done. It's definitely more mentally and physically tough. We've actually gotten a pretty good schedule. So what we do is every night before we go to bed, we do, Dan Lewis actually shared with everyone this really nice yoga flow. It's only like 15, 20 minutes, but for some reason, just we do it every single night and it really relaxes the body and helps us recover. So I think that's kind of been our savior so far is to not get too worn down by the, the gruesome days. So Monday we'll practice 9 to 12 with the lift and then we'll practice 4 to 7, come back, eat some dinner quick, we'll get our flow in and then right to bed by 9 or 10 to make sure that we're getting enough sleep to let our bodies recover and rest as much as possible because you know that the next day you're going to be grinding and get all day and then the day after that and it just never really stops so we just got to make sure sort of tackle the curve before you get too worn down and that's when the injury starts so just making sure we're taking care of our bodies as much as possible whether we're cooling down for 20 minutes after practice or making sure that when we're in our little apartment we're rolling out or doing the yoga flow to help keep our body in pristine condition. I think we've gotten into a pretty good routine. So I think it's very important. We have to kind of treat it as a job, right? Not only is it something we love to do, but it's our bodies are our tools and it's very important to keep them and keep them in good condition and recover well. So I think a big thing for us, I think we've been getting a lot more sleep than we normally would as we've kind of realized how important it is in our success. And for I think for motivation throughout this, it's kind of, at least for me, it's pretty easy because volleyball is something I want to wake up and do every day. And right now we have the chance to go every day and train full time. So I think we're pretty lucky in eating well, sleeping well, and recovering is just a part of all of that. And I think it just is easy to do. Yeah, well said. And, and I'm curious... Anyone who's been to FTC or NEP, they always have a Dan Lewis story for me. It could be something as little as like Jeremy Davis would say he really knows guys schedule. So if he knows that you're an early riser, he's going to send you video at like 730. So when you're eating your Cheerios for breakfast or whatever, you can watch the things that he wants you to review or like Dre Foreman would be up later. So Dan would make a point to send him video then at like 930. So he knows he's going to watch and be engaged then. So it, it just seems like he finds a way to know the players and figure out what they need while still showing that he he supports them and he's always thinking about them. So can you give me a quick Dan Lewis story or, or just another engagement that you've had with with another coach, whether it's, you know, Fauche, Koski or Ebbett about how much the coaches care and they really bought into like the development model that Glenn has laid out for, for the whole Team Canada program? So, so far with my experiences with Dan, I... I think he's an absolute beauty, great coach, and I love the way he runs his program. Uh, I think so far I don't have too many stories other than a couple of times, like last practice Friday before the weekend here, he, he let me hear it a little bit on court, singled me out a little bit, but it really got me going back into the practice. But I, uh, he's really good at keeping up to date on everyone's uh, bodies and how the, the load is for the week. So right now. Everyone 
Everyone's a little bit tired, so I think we'll be adjusting the load for the coming weeks. But I'd say Dan Lewis is just super organized, and he's really there to help you improve. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely making sure that everyone is reaching their full potential. So every day we're filling out a bunch of surveys saying how we're feeling, how our bodies are feeling, how tired we think we are, how tiring the sessions were. So he's really good at making sure that he's monitoring every single person because he's really, 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 really big against not getting injured. And when you do get injured, making sure that you can come back as soon as possible because he does realize how key it is that we're getting this opportunity to train so often. So he cares so much that he doesn't want to see anyone lose out on that opportunity and make sure that everyone can get as much better as possible during this only two and a half month period of time, which isn't too, too long in the grand scheme of things. So making sure that everyone's taking as much advantage as we can of this amazing opportunity. Yeah, this is awesome. It sounds well organized. It sounds like you guys are fired up to go every day. And obviously, if COVID wasn't happening, you guys would be at universities competing that way. But it sounds like this is making the, the best of a, a bad situation for everybody. And it's great that you're getting so much out of it. But to, to rewind a little bit, Johnny, I got to know because we've had Steven and Robbie on the show and they they mentioned the, you know, the backyard mega bowl. I got to know, how's a guy from Wyerton become best friends with a bunch of clowns from Georgetown who just love volleyball? What was uh, your impression of the Abrams when you first met them? And how did this friendship really start? You know, it, it all started with my first beach tournament, really, with uh, my first partner, Luke. And we uh, got to the beach. We don't know anyone. All these guys know each other. They're all hanging out. We're just kind of the outsiders. And I, how did it really start, though? I think the first time we really started talking was after their first summer of playing with the boys on the beach. We kind of talked to them a little bit after playing them, but not too much. And then we saw them in Madawaska, I believe. It was in Madawaska. And uh, we were in different cabins, but we were practicing three times a week in Madawaska right beside each other. And I think that's sort of how the friendship started. We started talking a little bit. We saw each other at club, said hi, but not much. And then I think it really, really started when Johnny actually played with Ben and we went oh, to World yeah. Championships together. Yeah, I, when we went to Worlds, we got a lot closer. I got a lot closer with Steven and a lot closer with uh, Josh Tamukas. So after that, we, uh, I mean, we were good friends. That was a great experience to share with each other. Um, being in Thailand in the hot heat, that was, that was pretty insane. But after that, getting the invite to the Super Mega Bowl was massive. And, you know, going and staying at the Abrams family house, it was awesome. They're amazing people. I don't know if we want to get into the Super Mega Bowl, but I think that I can share my opinion on what was going on based a couple trips from Jake. I mean, I heard the first podcast. There was, it was, there was some stories flying around, but I think I need to tell my story as well. Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming 
for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. So for anybody who hasn't listened to the Stephen and Robbie show, they should definitely go back. But Stephen, I was wondering if you could just set the scene before we let Johnny defend himself about some some stories that were being told. But you and your brother basically competed for this first overall pick, whether it was like video games or, or anything like that. You, you invite the Georgetown crew, Jake McNeil, Johnny gets the call, the invite for the big game. And the stage is set. You guys got your teams picked and, and you're ready to go. The court is settled. You got, I think, construction lights. Like a lot of planning went into this. So just just fill me and the listeners in about what this game kind of meant to you and just the caliber of people there. And then we can let Johnny kind of defend himself because uh, I've heard from Jake and Robbie that there was, there was some chirps flying that night. Yeah, for sure. So we decided, you know, we have a volleyball court in our backyard. We have lots of friends who are university volleyball players or high-level club players. And we decide, you know what, why not have one of the best high-quality backyard mega bowls of all time? So next thing you know, me and my brother, we're going to the store. We're grabbing a big trophy from WasteWise for two bucks. We're calling up Jake. Ken Kerr, we called up. He wasn't able to come, but Josh Green was there. We called up Johnny because we needed a couple more guys. And next thing you know, we got a full six on six game and like seven or eight of the guys play university volleyball. So it was super, super high caliber. And you know, when you get guys like that, that are buddies, but also super, super competitive, the the chirps are going to be flying. So right away, Johnny being new guy there, he, he was feeling the heat, especially from Jake. So I can let him take on his story there. Well, I felt like after the first two sets, we were, I think we were in a good position. And then that's when the chirps really started to fly, and I started to get a little bit in, in my own head because of Jake. But um, then we got to the fifth set and kind of started taking over a little bit, and we, uh, you know, we got the win. Do you remember how you felt when he was chirping you? I felt pretty, uh, pretty. I wouldn't say scared, but I felt attacked a little bit. I never really experienced anything like that, especially from not really knowing Jake too well. I know he had a, I know. Oh, he had a history from like Steven's stories about tripping a little bit, but uh, I never really experienced firsthand. But after I experienced it in you know, the second, third sets, I kind of got a hold on it and kind of was able to block it out near the end. And I think that's something that really helped me kind of push through that fifth set and get the win in the dark. In the dark, I remember, I remember, I think you touched on in your story with Robbie about uh, Robbie getting hit in the face. I think I remember that. That was hilarious. I've never seen Robbie so mad in my life. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I don't know if it wasn't Robbie, was it? Yeah, Josh Green actually got hit in the face on a party ball. And then my brother, Robbie Abrams, just out of nowhere, never seen him get mad in his life, just comes through the net and just absolutely shredding apart Josh Mucus for hitting him in the face. Meanwhile, Josh Green, who just got packed in the face, is just like, yeah, whatever. Let's just keep playing. And Robbie's just letting everyone know just super upset and i think it's because he had recently recovered from a concussion so it's super serious but definitely a little a little whoa moment in the in the game in the fifth set everyone was getting pretty heated as the the game was coming to an end but that was a big turning point though because robbie's explosion kind of caused josh to to fold up a little bit he's a little scared i mean you don't hear robbie raise his voice off 
him, but when he does, it's frightening. Yeah, for sure. And it, it definitely helped because after that, Robbie's team rallied and Johnny was able to put the squad on his back a little bit and finish the job in, in the darkness of the Georgetown backyard. But it was a great experience and we can't wait for this upcoming summer to get the second annual Mega Bowl in. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It's great to hear kind of starting with your national team experience and working backwards to, you know, just getting some buddies together and having the most competitive backyard game. But to take it one more step back, just to remind our listeners who haven't listened, Stephen, you had a pretty unique start in our sport before we get to Johnny's about, you know, Georgetown's a great hockey community, but getting a competitive boys teams going and having Jake McNeil and your brother Robbie coach it and kind of get you guys from from a team of do we have enough bodies to you know beating Pac-Man at provincials right so just a, a quick teaser so they can go back and hear the full story but just kind of cover ground for how you fell in love with volleyball and how you got into it and then we can let Johnny tell his story because it's pretty unique too yeah so just quickly mine goes back all the way to when I was in kindergarten or grade one when I was five or six my brother was in middle school just started playing volleyball and we have a really big or not really big, but a sizable backyard. And we decided, you know what, why not put a volleyball court in? And ever since then, my summers were spent playing soccer competitively and then at home playing volleyball every day with my siblings. And from there, it just escalated. I got super fortunate. The local Georgetown Impact team actually had their second ever guys team when I was 12. So I got to play. I had to play a couple years up, but I had a great coach, great team. And I just sort of fell in love with the sport. And ever since then, from when I was 12, played for Georgetown Impact all the way through to 18U, even got to start our own team in 16U, which was really cool. Just had a bunch of my buddies who were on the team. And then we had my brother and Jake McNeil, who's one of our best friends, was also the other coach. And funny story there, we actually, our first tournament with that team, we ended up playing Johnny's first ever team in their first ever tournament. So it's kind of wild that two teams, first ever tournament, and and we uh, we collided in the semifinals, but the Georgetown boys were able to prevail in that match. And uh, ever since then, we've uh, had definitely some big matches between the, the Georgetown Wyerton rivalry. But um, after 16U, uh, we went on, had a team in 17U, 18U. Uh, we were really fortunate. 18U, we had Mac Robertson as our coach from Humber. We finished second at provincials and nationals, which was really awesome. Then I was fortunate enough to get to go to Windsor, where I played last year, which was such an amazing experience. The guys are awesome. Coach James Gravel is an absolute amazing coach. Taught me so much. And uh, just looking forward to next year, where we can get back to competing and get back to hopefully winning some OUA championships with Windsor. Yeah, that is just such an awesome story. that Because it, it started with people who just wanted to be involved and kind of help kids play volleyball. And to see like the group that that Georgetown developed into, and like you said, winning OVA medals and national medals and seeing guys go on to post-secondary is just a really cool story. And, and Johnny, yours, I really relate to because my, my parents live in Concord and I didn't grow up in there, but uh, I visit quite often now and just hearing, you know, the, the Wyerton connection and having guys from all over coming together to make a club team, because I think sometimes kids just have this expectation that they're going to play club volleyball because there's just a team in their community. And that's what happens where it sounds like your dad did a lot of the groundwork to really get a team going. And like I said, guys coming in from different areas just so you can make a team. So how about you take it from the top when either you pushed him and said, I want to play club volleyball, or he knew that there was interest in the community and maybe he sparked it, but let us know how that first club team you were on came together. So it started from the switch to hockey and I started in 
Barry Mutri's Big Bruce Volleyball Program out of Chesley. So we drive down once a week on Tuesday nights, go uh, get some reps in. I started in that league. They had a little developmental league there. Played some tournaments from like Chatham and I think around London area. And in that league, I was about grade nine and I'd only play the back row. No, I'd only play the front row, sorry. And because uh, there's big, better guys, you're playing with guys from grades nine to 12. And uh, so it was pretty cool getting that experience, getting some higher level coaching. And that really sparked my interest for volleyball. And so it started in my high school, just trying to get my friends to play. So we got a group together for grades nine and 10, but they didn't really stick with it. So uh, I tried to, you know, I came home, was talking to my dad. I was like, dad, I want to play volleyball. So my dad took it upon himself to uh, get a group together to start entering some OVA tournaments. And so we had a group of guys from all around uh, Gray Bruce. We had some Wyarton guys. We had some Port Elgin guys and some guys from Kincard. And uh, so we got this little group together. We were practicing about twice a week. We uh, had our coach, Al and Steve, two great guys. And um, so we managed to get to our first tournament. And we, like Steven said, we, uh, we were playing Georgetown Impact. And, you know, I remember uh, we were having a little team meeting by the, um, the tournament board. And I, we saw my coach was there. And he saw an athlete come up and say, we're playing the Blue Water Ballistics. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> and we come out next game. And, and, you know, we got a couple wins here and there in our first year. And I think that was in 16U was our first year. And to kind of go through the process of how my dad put that together, he uh, he got kids from our Big Bruce program because previously there was a Blue Water Ballistics 18U that uh, had a couple teams in previous years, but my dad brought it back, got a group together. And uh, so through 16U and then 17U, I, uh, I was on exchange in France for three months. And this was during um, our provincials. And my coach was trying to get me to fly back uh, before provincials so I could play. And I, I think that's just a little funny story. But I, I unfortunately couldn't make it. And um, then we had our 18U year. Uh, great group of guys. Actually, I think five out of the five or six out of the 12 now are playing post-secondary volleyball, which is pretty amazing to see coming from a small town. And I, I think that's pretty special. But um, Another couple stories I could tell about the Blue Water Ballistics. I remember at our first tournament, we, my dad and I were waiting in the parking lot 10 minutes before our game to get our jerseys, wondering if they're going to show up or not. I think that was, that was pretty fun. <laughs> um, and then to kind of talk about the switch, because beach volleyball has also had a pretty big role in my life. And uh, that kind of started, I started playing with Luke Newselder, who was my... Um, my setter growing up uh, on the ballistics and we started at the Boston pizza courts in Port Elgin playing against some men's league guys. Uh, my indoor coach at the time, Steve, Steve Taylor would come out, serve some balls at us. And then that kind of really sparked my interest for beach volleyball. And it was pretty lucky because we had um, Steve built a court in his backyard the next year. So every, every day I could get there, I was there playing. So with both of you having such like a unique start in our sport where you were playing other sports at a high level and made the choice to go to volleyball, I'm wondering, 
And Stephen, we'll start with you. Was there ever a moment where it clicked that you thought you could be a national team member or even play at university? Like, when did these higher level goals come together? Because a guy who made the switch, obviously having an older brother, leads you through volleyball is neat. But you've already represented Canada on the beach. You're you're representing Canada indoor right now. It seems pretty cool for a guy from Georgetown to be accomplishing so much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was definitely not. I always wanted to, and it was definitely the goal, but. For me, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. So when I was 12, I played up on a 14-year team. And having the opportunity to play volleyball since I was five or six, my ball control was, was always very good. But I was maybe 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five playing volleyball and playing against guys that are two years older than me that are fully matured. I haven't even hit puberty yet. And it's sort of like, okay, I, have, I can pass the ball, but there's no libero. So what can I do? So I got pretty fortunate. I ended up playing right side in my first year, but it was in serve receive and taking a fair amount of the court. But I never got set ever, and I got subbed out half the time in the front row. But at least I was able to play. And then the next couple of years, I uh, the only team in Georgetown I had to play up. So that was me just sort of playing defensive specialist, getting in once a game. So not much because my talent was just pretty much passing. And it wasn't until sort of 16U that – when Jake came in and my brother started helping me and I was able to move into more of a left side position, I sort of realized that, you know what, maybe maybe there's a chance. Because I was always much better at beach, but you can't go to school for beach yet. So I was hoping to go for university. And then 17U came along and our team started to really break through. And then uh, after 17U, I, it still hadn't really crossed my mind because I'd reached out to a few coaches but hadn't had much luck. But uh, at 17 Provincials, it was the first time I talked to James Gravel, and then we kept talk- talking throughout the summer, and that sort of, it wasn't until that end of 17U, summer going into 18U, that I really, really sort of realized that, hey, this is something that I can do, and it's something that I always wanted to do. So it, it got me pretty excited starting to talk to the coaches, and then um, that the next summer uh, after that, I... Uh, Got a great opportunity with Josh Mucus. We somehow, some way, the boys grinded out and uh, we qualified for U21 World Championships, which was crazy because the year before when we tried out for U19 Championships, I came dead last in the tournament. So from one year of difference, I went from dead last in the trials to making it to World Championships. So definitely a later start for me than most people in a different path. but. Uh, it's better late than never, as they say. So I'm really happy that everything's worked out the way it is. And I, I can't wait to keep playing at a really high level. And I'm excited to see where volleyball can take me. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing your story there. And Johnny, same question to you. Like when you made the switch and you really, it, it sounds like you loved volleyball, but was there an aha moment that made you realize that you could represent Team Canada in our sport? You know, this is a great question because... I uh, remember distinctly a couple times where I was wondering and it kind of clicked in my mind to maybe maybe I could take volleyball somewhere and I could I could go somewhere with it. So I remember I one of my friends' uh, parents hosted this um, volleyball program in Owen Sound. And I remember this was after I had a couple years in Barry Mutri's Big Bruce Volleyball Program. And I remember playing there and I remember asking her, do you think I'd be able to play university volleyball? That's what kind of sparked my interest. And I never thought I was going to be good enough to actually make it happen. But um, 
since then, I, I also remember going to, uh, when I really started to get interested in it, my dad took me down to the York Excalibur tournament and uh, watching those high level players at the time, I was like, whoa, this is something I really want to pursue. And I think it kind of started to become a realization when I started reaching out to coaches or my first uh, university coach that reached out to me was actually RMC at my 18U provincials. And uh, I remember that when that happened, I was like, no way, this, like, this could actually maybe happen. And just to kind of go through how I got into uh, uni, uni, uh, the OUA, um, I actually got recruited at, at Camp Celtic, which is a, a camp near Lion's Head, which is about 30 minutes north of Wyerton. And uh, there's the Western coach and the Guelph assistant coach was there. And once it came time to reaching out to coaches, I, I just shot Guelph an email. And uh, I didn't have any video or anything. But uh, he said that the assistant coach uh, saw me at Camp Celtic. So I got speaking with Cal. Cal's a great guy. And I went on a tour there. And I think I was like, well, I think this is the place for me, you know, two hours away from home. I love the small town uh, feeling of it. Meanwhile, it's still a city. So I thought it was the place for me. And I never thought I'd be able to represent Canada in volleyball. But I remember this is a funny story. I remember getting a, uh, a DM on Instagram from Ben Kirkhoff wondering if I wanted to do the U21 Beach World Trial. And I was like, I didn't even know that was really a thing. I'm, I'm not sure. So I got speaking to my dad and he's like, yeah, you know what? You can't hurt. So what? You go down and you get some good experience. You lose, you come back. Sure. So I got there and we, I think we practiced once or twice beforehand. And it was just kind of stars aligning. and. We performed well at the tournament and we ended up winning the trials. And I remember leaving that tournament, going, coming back on the 401 with my dad. And I was like, did this really just happen or like, wh what's going on now? So I, that was a pretty surreal moment and kind of made me realize where I could take volleyball. And I'm just really excited that it's already taken me so far and it's already given me so many opportunities. I'm just really interested to see where else it can take me. And just to add on to that, um, I'm really happy that maybe this can be a segue into our next question, but my little got my little brother playing. And now, fortunately, he's got the chance to uh, come with Steven on the Windsor Lancers. So I'm really excited for him as well. Yeah, that that's great. Like, it just sounds like your, your passion comes through that anyone's around you guys like just loves playing volleyball and wants to keep it going. Uh, before we do move on, though, John, I just want to double check your impressions of U21 because it reminded me of Steven talking about, you know, they, they had a really tough draw and to get eliminated. But what Steve, you can touch on this, too, like you guys would still compete and you were organizing exhibition matches and you're still training like you were still spending a ton of time at the competition venue. Uh, Johnny, with you guys going through the draw with Ben, just kind of share your experience. And then uh, either one of you can touch on this. But uh, Stephen, we both know you underplayed maybe the social aspect that goes on at a youth worlds. But uh, maybe we'll start with the volleyball. And if there's a story that comes up, we can take it from there. But uh, again, just to inform our listeners, like what was your first impression of U21 when, you know, it's an international competition and you're playing against the best players in the world at your age? It was pretty surreal. I remember we, we were younger because since it was U21, we were 18 at the time. So we were younger in the tournament. But uh, when we got there, it was pretty new to me how structured it would be. 
um, setting up practice games and meeting all these guys. It was pretty cool to see players from around the world as I've never really been to an international event like that. Um, it was also really eye-opening to me the level of play and how much potential there is in the game. See, when we went, I, I thought I was all right at the sport. I didn't th think I was great by any means, but to really see the highest level of players in the world really makes you see what you can work towards. So Stephen and I are getting ready, hopefully, to go back and tackle that challenge again if they run U21 Worlds again. But to touch on our draw, we, uh, we had Cuba, Morocco, and Germany, I think, in our pool. Maybe not Cuba. I forget the third team in our pool. Oh, we had we had Thailand, and we uh, we play. We're playing Thailand in Thailand on the home court. So this was a pretty cool moment. We had uh, a stadium around us filled with fans playing music, banging drums, cheering for Canada just as much as they were cheering for Thailand. And uh, I remember just kind of going, "This is crazy. What's going on here?" And we had, like, like what you see on TV when you watch professional beach volleyball matches, we had our own little bench. We had, like, timeouts and all of this. And we had towels when we showed up, jerseys when we showed up to our, uh, to our benches. It was pretty professional. I've never really experienced anything like that. And in between practices, I think one of the most fun things is not only the competition, but you get to play in scrimmage with guys from around the world. And I think... I think that was really cool just to mingle with other guys. But it was cool to see the love for the sport in Thailand. In between practice and stuff, we'd be getting followed around by a bunch of fans. And we were taking a bunch of pictures because everyone loved Canada. So that, that was really cool and uh, new to me for sure. Yeah, and Stephen, just to bring back your version of the story, I thought it was cool that you you guys didn't really suffer the poor me's that you spent all that money and you go to a tournament and you're in the qualifier and you lose. That you guys showed a lot of professionalism about getting up the next day, training, competing with other teams. Like, if you just want to touch on what your mindset was that you still had an opportunity to get better, even though you had the unfortunate you know draw and being in the qualifier and things like that. Yeah, no, for sure. We knew going in that it was going to be an amazing opportunity because. How often is it that you get to go completely around the world to play the thing that you love to do? So we knew going in, the qualifier was going to be tough. There were some really good teams in Brazil, Germany, Latvia, some really, really quality teams that have been to world championships before and are two years older than us. So we went in. Obviously, we wanted to win really bad, but we, we got a tough draw. We lost a, a fairly close match to Brazil. I think it was 21-16, 21-15. But it, we didn't let that get us down. We we made sure that, you know what, we're, we're at World Championships. There's a bunch of courts, 30-second walk away. So every morning at 7 a.m., we would go train with a bunch of other teams. And then we'd have to get off the courts so the the matches could be played. And then at 4 o'clock, we'd be back on scrimmaging against other teams, which was so cool because we'd be playing in Thailand. We'd be playing King's Court with five other teams. We'd serve. We'd get a steal against Poland, and then we'd play against Uruguay, and they'd score on us. And it's just such a cool opportunity to play all these people from around the world and see the best players that are our age and older from everywhere around the globe was such an amazing experience. And to talk to them and hear their different stories was so, so cool. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm just going down my list of things I wanted to talk about. Um, Johnny, thanks to Stephen's you know tip before the show. I understand you're starting an apparel business. Can you just talk to us about how that came together and everything that goes into like starting a, a volleyball clothing brand? Yeah. So last last summer, the idea kind of came in my head. I wrote a note in my phone. It was kind of something I was interested about starting a clothing brand for beach volleyball. So uh, this year, I was at my house in Guelph. And I remembered my idea and I was like, I really want to pursue this. So I went back to my phone, went at the notes, and there, there, there the note was 8 by 8 Beach Apparel. So this, um, in the following months, we're going to, I've been working with my dad and my mom and uh, a local supplier in Wyerton, and we've been, been uh, figuring out some samples and things. And uh, in the next following months, I'm hoping to have some product out. So uh, the aim of uh, my business will be to, if we ever have some profit, we'll be to um, growing the sport of beach volleyball and uh, hopefully we'll probably start with um, supporting small communities, uh, giving balls and nets. And if uh, we ever had the chance to be able to build a beach course in small communities across Ontario, I think that would be our goal. Yeah, that that's awesome. It just sounds like you guys are so passionate about our sport that you're you're approaching it at so many levels. Like you're you're playing as high performance guys, but you're also helping out in, in so many areas. It's just awesome to hear your story. Now, I have taken a, a bunch of your time and you guys are on a recovery day in Gatineau, but uh one thing I wanted to touch on, just a spoiler alert for your funny story to end. I understand there were some battles that uh maybe the Abrams aren't the only ones with a backyard court. So can you guys just take us through how you guys kind of spent your summer during COVID when there's like regulations going on and you got to keep your bubble small, but you guys still found a way to compete and battle and and some other people have found a way to get a court in their backyard, right? Yeah, no, for sure. So the story starts back. Uh, everyone's in quarantine, you know, I haven't seen anyone in months aside from my family. And then I'm just looking on my phone and I'm talking to John. He's like, man, you got to come to Wyarton. I was like, why would I come to Wyarton? It's like, we're building a beach court. And I just got so excited. I was like, no way in the summer where everything's been getting canceled. Just so much bad news. Finally, some just amazing news. So um, I, I'll let Johnny talk you through how that actually happened, but it was probably one of the most exciting days when I received the message from Johnny about the beach court. Yeah, so the the beach court in the backyard story starts um, with me approaching my dad, and I was like, Dad, we got to get a beach court in our backyard. Uh, it, just, it needs to happen. We're not doing anything right now. I think uh, for the next couple of months, it would be really worth it. So we share our backyard with our neighbors, and um, the beach court – is actually on their side of the backyard. So we have some absolute beauty neighbors, shout out to the herb shot for putting, letting us put the court on their side. Um, so it started as a grass court. Uh, Daniel and I would be out there just shooting around on the, on the grass court. And then it turned into half a beach court. We had half of it sand, half the grass. And then we were struggling to find some more sand and like someone with the, with the truck to be able to get into our backyard and uh, drop it off. So my dad knows a lot of people up in the South Bruce Peninsula and he was driving home one day and he saw a truck and he pulls over and he asks, Hey, do you deliver sand? And the guy goes, yeah. So a few days later we have two sides of uh, sand on our court. And that's basically how the beach court started. Um, and then after that, I, 
Stephen, were you that Stephen was up well to see the half grass, half sand, and then it was all hands on deck on spreading out the the second half of the sand. Yeah, for sure. I got there, and it was it was just in the process of being built. I think the second day I was there, we got just a massive truckload of sand. So it was a it was a pretty wild day. It took definitely a couple of grueling hours to spread out the sand, but it was well worth it for the experiences we then had. We would go out, we'd play five, six hours a day of beach and then just absolutely collapse at night because we were so exhausted and then do it again in the morning. But we had some cool experiences. I was going back and forth a little bit. So one time my brother Robbie Abrams actually came and dropped me off and he's not going to drop me off without playing a couple matches. So <laughs> Johnny having a little brother and me having an older brother, we thought, okay, we have to have a sibling match here. So it started off, first game of the day, I think it was me and Johnny's brother against Robbie and Johnny. But as as we got warmed up and whatnot, we were like, okay, the real deal is going to have to happen here. So it was me and Robbie against Johnny and Daniel, the absolute battle of the brothers. And uh, Robbie and I definitely had the experience on our side, but but – Rob's getting a little old these days. He doesn't play much volleyball, but he, he had one game left in the tank for, for that entire year, I think, and he definitely wasn't going to lose to the younger Pickett brothers. So we had a grueling match, um, came down to the wire. I think it was like 23-21 in, in the second set or something, but Robbie and I, uh, we definitely came together because we sort of talked before the game and we were like, if there's a time to beat him, it's now because Robbie's only getting older and Little Pickett's only getting better. So we had to capitalize on one of probably the few opportunities we're going to have to beat this up-and-coming absolute huge combo of the Pickett's. And uh, we prevailed. Uh, I don't know if Johnny wants to add anything, but that was a wild, wild day. It was a great experience playing against the Abrams. I think it was a pretty legendary match, to be honest. Um, it was really fun to play with my little brother as well. This was kind of... We kind of... At the beginning of quarantine, when we got this beach court, this kind of sparked his interest for beach volleyball. And uh, he was at the point where he was always bugging me to go out. Normally, it's me bugging him, and then it turned into him bugging me to go out. So in this game, Daniel just couldn't get enough of it. And you know what? We normally only had three guys, and it's just a gift when we had four guys to play two-on-two. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that three out of four guys on this little backyard court in Wyerton, which is in the middle of nowhere. There's 2000 people who live there. Three out of four of these guys have gone to world championships. And it, the story gets even better. Jake McNeil even came up for a couple of days. He was there for, I think three or four days. And we had some absolute battles. It was most of the time Johnny and I played against Jake McNeil and little Pickett and, he, he definitely brought an entire new level of competition. And I, I know on the last day, we sat down and we decided to have a best three out of five. And Jake was so determined to beat us because I don't think they beat us all week. Maybe they grabbed, I think they almost grabbed a set off yeah, of us, but didn't. And I've never seen him work harder to try and beat two guys. It was, it was wild to see the intensity that he brought, which was so good to have training like that in the middle of the pandemic. It was so unbelievable and I was so fired up that Johnny's dad who's an absolute beauty was able to make this happen and the connections that he was able to create to walk down the street and get some guy that he knows to deliver sand two days later was just crazy 
<laughs> yeah, this this is awesome to hear. And actually, with uh, a big chunk of our listeners either being parents or coaches or players, uh, I'm curious if you guys could give your perspective that you're playing indoor at the highest level, like you're you're on the youth national team, but you're also playing beach at a national team level at your age group too. So, do you guys find that it is a nice mental break to switch back and forth between the two disciplines? Do you find that they both help each other? Like, how are you walking the line of being at high level in both? Because I think you know with LTAD, there's a certain point that athletes need to specialize and pick one sport where you guys are going back and forth and doing it at a really high level. Yeah, I think it's awesome that they complement each other so much. There's definitely a lot of differences, but at the end of the day, you're performing a lot of the same skills. So in in our university careers, it's you play a so much for the eight months you're in school, but then you don't really get a chance to play in those months off. And most of the time people will use them to to work out a lot and and get that physical advantage, which is great. But I find that it's so, so amazing that we're able to get out and get those touches. And it's sort of, it's it's still volleyball, but I find it completely different than indoor. It's, especially for me as a libero, it's nice to get out there, be able to spike some balls, maybe get some blocks if we're doing some fun split block, blocking things or whatnot. It's, it's definitely a nice little regroup for me to, to get to experience the, the other skills that I don't really get to in indoor. And honestly, I, I find beach is just, it's a little bit more, it's very different with only two people on the court. You have a lot more responsibility and a lot more strategies involved with just the two of you. It's sort of you against the world mentality a little bit, which I, I really enjoy. And I love the challenges that beach presents. And for me, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of living the dream, really playing volleyball around the clock all year round and I know I get the question sometimes do you like indoor beach volleyball better but I think it's really as each season approaches I get just as excited for each and um, I think after a long indoor season it's really nice to get on the beach and like Stephen said it's a lot of fun it's a slightly different game and uh, I'm really looking forward to since I'm part up with Steven here we're, we had a blast last summer but we're really hoping to get into some competition here soon once COVID clears up but uh, I think um, beach and indoor really do complement each other and uh, I'm really excited to see what our 10 weeks training here at NEP will kind of translate to on the beach yeah guys this is awesome I'm just looking at the clock I've taken a, a big chunk of your day on, on one of your rest days and I know uh the, the amount of volleyball you've talked about, you're probably going to watch some video and do some review that you probably don't actually take a full day off. So I'll, I'll let you get back to your day, but I want to thank you both so much for joining the show. Stephen, it was great to have you on. Maybe you'll be our first three-time guest and Johnny, you're welcome back at any time because I think we, we haven't touched on a lot of the stories and you guys are both so young and have so much more to accomplish. But every time we talk, I just have a big smile on my face with how much you guys love volleyball and it just comes through with your stories. So thanks so much for joining us today and to, uh, sharing everything you did. Thanks for having us, Josh. It was a blast as always. Thanks for having us. It was awesome.